Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have Dr. Takuya Sagawa. Uh, he's uh, over in Zurich, Switzerland, at ETH Zurich, and we're going to talk about um, his work in solid-state physics. Uh, he's working on a sensor that can go inside, looks like individual cells, to monitor their conditions. So, Takuya, thanks for coming. Thank you very much for the invitation. Yeah, if you would, tell me about your research. What, what are you working on? So maybe first my, my background. My background is um, magnetic resonance, and um, this is best to know to the, the like everyday life. Um, these are these uh, machines in the hospital, these MRI machines, magnetic resonance imaging, mm, yeah. where you can put your head in or your knee or your whole body. And you see actually the water inside. And what you really see are, um, so the water is a, is a chemical molecule, H2O. And what you see are the, the spins, nuclear spin. So these spins are quantum physical property of nuclei or electrons. And you're looking at these nuclei and these are very, very small things. They are magnetic and they are precessing. So you have to put them in a very strong magnetic field, uh, put in some radio frequency to disturb them. And then you get a signal you can record inside these coils. And that, that's a revolutionary thing, uh, revolutionized uh, medicine, also analytical chemistry. But basically, the weak part of this technique is it's very, very insensitive. You need millions and millions and millions of spins that you just get one pixel or one voxel in this um, MRI image. And um, a few years ago, maybe about uh, 25 years ago, a scientist in uh, Germany, Stuttgart, Professor Rachtrup, discovered that with a technique, it's an optical technique, it looks like a microscope, you can look at an individual spin and this is now a totally different system than water. It's diamond. And inside this diamond crystal is a defect, but a very special defect. Okay. It's a nitrogen atom replacing a carbon atom. And next to it, the vacancy. So a missing carbon atom. And this has an electron spin. And this is also fluorescent. So if you shine on green light, uh, it emits red light. And the special properties, this fluorescence is connected to the spins. So if you manipulate the spins with radio frequency, you can see a change in the fluorescence. Actually, the fluorescence gets darker. And this experiment is so sensitive that you can detect a single spin. So that's kind of the, the beginning of the story. So it's, it's literally millions of times more sensitive than how you'd use an MRI? It's, um, yeah, it's probably like uh, 17 orders of magnitude or something like that more sensitive. So that's that's a number which is, you don't usually hear this in physics because it's 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 so large. Wow. And it's just you, you, you profit, actually, you, you profit from this, the photons of this visible light. So, this, so there are two transitions. So in, in quantum mechanics, we're looking at, as the name say, quantized energy levels. So you have uh, energy levels which are quantized for these spins. This is a very small gap. And then you have this huge gap, which is, yeah, visible light, which is connected. And with that, you can yeah, profit from a yeah, huge gain in sensitivity. 
And uh, the next step is you can put this defect into nano diamonds. So it's also a diamond, but only of a size of a, a few to maybe 100 nanometers. And with that, you have uh, something, you, you have basically a nanoparticle, you can do MRI on it. So these are the two, let's say, basic ingredients of this story. Did you discover this or how did you first encounter this, uh, you know, nano diamonds and being able to do this? I was in contact with a group in Japan, uh, Kyoto University, and I think this was one of the first group which moved from this classic magnetic resonance, NMR, to this direction of uh, nanodiamonds. So this was uh, a professor, Shirakawa, at Kyoto University. And so what these pins, they do, the nice thing is, yeah, you can use them as a sensors coming to the, the topic of the discussion today. So this magnetic resonance signal changes for example if you, if you apply a magnetic field you have two signals which split and if you look at the distance of this signal you can read out the magnetic field or um, you can look at other things like temperature this line also shifts with temperature and you can look at the position uh, the orientation of this nano diamond with respect to the magnetic field so if this was inside of a, a cell, a living cell, like a bacteria or a human cell, could you tell this, temperature? Yeah. Could you tell position? Like what could you tell? Yeah. So, so the nice thing of these nanoparticles is that they are not toxic for these cells because there are also other nanoparticles like quantum dots. Um, often some, some cells die if you, if you put them into it. But uh, these nanodiamonds, they are not, not toxic. And so let's say this field, I, I would say it's really at the edge of, of becoming a real application, hopefully, for biologists. At the moment, we're still at the stage that we're improving and improving the, the sensitivity um, to really bring it to daily tool, like, yeah, like, like for example, the green fluorescent protein biologist, so every, every cell biologist is using this, this GFP. There was a Nobel Prize for this. And there are so many variants. Yeah, you can use a uh, measure, yeah, also like pH or other things with some mutation. Yeah, there's like uh, green fluorescent protein. The, the nano diamond. So one hope is, of course, that that's better than it. And w one thing of all these, let's say, fluorescent molecules is after sometimes they, they bleach. So if you if you shine on some some uh, laser light, after some time they, they just go out because there is some, the energy of this light uh, basically changes the structure of the molecule. And this turns the fluorescent molecule in a, in a dark molecule. How big is the nano diamond versus uh, GFP? How much smaller is it? Yeah, that's that's where we're currently totally losing because uh, the the GFP this is really let's say a larger molecule, so it's it looks a bit like um yeah it's a bit longer, like the length is maybe about five nanometers and like a diameter of about um, three nanometers. And so currently the most people doing these in-cell experiments probably use something like 100 nanometers in size. And of course, there are many of these NV centers because a single NV center is also darker than, than GFP. So you need, you need many of those that you have a, a decent signal, decent fluorescent signal. So one research direction I'm trying is to bring these uh, nanodiamonds to a smaller size. And um, there are actually nanodiamonds which have a size of, of five nanometers and are quite spherical and their origin is quite is a quite funny story because they're called detonation nanodiamonds because their synthesis is detonation and it's really like yeah uh, munition from 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 the military from the army um, it's TNT 
and uh, some other uh, chemical, you explode this, uh, you have an explosion inside the container. Um, there is no additional source of carbon. And then there's, of course, a lot of ash and many things. But if you purify this, you find these very small nanodiamonds. And there is this, um, uh, this shock wave of this detonation. And during the shock wave, there is a, a temperature and a pressure which is uh, enough to make these small nanodiamonds. So that's how they're made, is with controlled mini detonations. Nanodiamonds are made by doing these mini detonations in the absence of extra carbon, I guess, in the absence of oxygen in these vessels. And you mm -hmm. can make, you can control the size of the, the uh, nanodiamonds. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, I think very often what really comes out is the size of these five nanometers. This seems to be some chemical stable region. The problem is that you first have to get them down to these five nanometers because they aggregate very, very strongly. So a uh, long time ago, but, uh, like not, not so long time ago, people didn't know that, this, that really the core size is five nanometers. So there was um, a discovery from, from also a Japanese professor who put a lot of um, high power sonication and some, uh, some beads, some zirconia beads to really disperse those particles. And then he found that kind of this stable small size of five nanometers. Even visualizing 100 nanometer objects is difficult. How do you manipulate and visualize a five nanometer object? I mean, I mean we visualize you, you can look at the um, um, electron microscope image. If, if you want to check that it's really five nanometers, you can measure for a bulk sample in solution, you can measure dynamic light scattering. And um, so these, these particles are, are swimming in, the, in water. And uh, depending on how small these particles are, so you have a different uh, type of scattering. And with that, you can calculate the size. And so we, we have taken those very small nanodiamonds. And um, interestingly, without doing anything, there are already these defects we want, these nitrogen vacancy centers or NV centers inside. So somehow during this detonation reaction, they, they must be created. And um, actually we can also put more of these defects inside by doing some electron irradiation. So we, we go to some source which, which can shoot, bombard some electrons. These electrons, they create some, some vacancies. So they are, have a high uh, kinetic energy. They kick out some carbons. And with that, we see some uh, formation of these envy centers. Yeah, how do you make sure that you have the right defect that you want? Of course, there is always um, probably also produce other defects like only vacancy or vacancy pairs. But um, this envy uh, center has this uh, magnetic resonance signal appears at the very characteristic frequency. So it appears at about um, 2.87 gigahertz. So that, that's something which is, let's say, quite close where your wireless internet um, or so is um, emitting your data. And if, if you see th this peak in this, um, in this uh, special microscope where, where you detect the light and at the same time you emit some, some radio frequency of this, you know, of this frequency, then you really know you have these envy centers inside. I was in a joke with you and say, if you ever want to get married, don't give your fiance a nano diamond. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I, I agree that, yeah, also came, came to my mind, yeah. So often people, I also, when I started in the field, I, I, I ask like, these nanodiamonds, are they um, maybe expensive? But they're really cheap. My, any like drug or so uh, is, is, is much more expensive per, per gram. So the synthesis is really uh, cheap, this detonation. But then like, if you have to, yeah, deaggregate them, I think they're still cheap. But if you have to do the electron irradiation and 
maybe then still as a next step, you want to change functionalized surface to, to stabilize them from aggregation. That's either a lot of, or some work in the lab, or if you then want to buy it from a company, then it's getting a bit more expensive. But the diamonds themselves, they are really cheap. Yeah. So what's the, what's the end goal? You would uh, put the diamonds in a vesicle and have them enter the cell or? Yeah, so it really depends on the type of the cell. Usually the easiest thing we're working with are, let's say human or, or mammal uh, cancer cells. So I'm I'm not the the cell specialist here. I'm I'm collaborating with uh, some people who really know what what they're doing. And these cancer cells they basically eat everything. Um, so it's easy to to let them eat the nano diamonds. Um, and then there, as you say, then there there are in these vesicles. And the other option is um, you can apply a technique called um, electroporation. So that's a really an electroshock. Um, you have your cells in, in, in your buffer solution and you switch on a, a, a high voltage for a very short time. And in that time, the cell membrane, uh, speaking of mammal cells, uh, will open uh, probably like 100 nanometers or a few hundred nanometers uh, through this shock. And in that time, the some, let's say, your nanodiamonds, if they're in the solution outside, they can uh, stream into the cells. And that's another option to bring in the cells. And if you do that in a, in a very controlled and optimized way, the cells will close again their membranes and happily continue to, to live and, and they will not die. And you can do some measurements. So how many nano diamonds would you want inside a cell? And then uh, would they disperse evenly? And what would you measure? As long as you just want to have a nano diamond inside and like proof of principle want to measure something, you, you're happy with one, one nano diamond. Um, it's, it's better than having too many, uh, especially when they are um, aggregated. Um, if you are good in chemistry, or if you have uh, some some collaborators who are good in chemistry, you can try to do some targeting, which is also known from from other experiments. Like if you tag some some antibody or or some some peptides uh, which like to go, uh, for example, to to some dock on some membrane or so, you can also uh, guide them inside the cell and have them at the special point. And then let's say you want to measure the, the temperature inside the mitochondria, you can, can do this in, this in this way. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Well, how, how close are you to measuring anything inside cells? Are you at that point yet? Or is it still gonna be a while until this is figured out? We're able to bring the, the nanodiamonds uh, inside the cells. Let's say for, for temperature, um, I think for a long time, the, the problem was uh, to get the sensitivity, let's say, smaller than one, one degree or one, one Kelvin. Yeah, then you can measure temperature, but if you only see a shift of, of let's say, 10 degree or 10 Kelvin, I mean, that's not a, some natural um, behavior of the cells. So you would have to do some, yeah, something to, to heat them up. But um, uh, recently, there are uh, really some some advancements in, in the field, uh, just uh, optimizing the, these experiments where you can really get down to, let's say, 0.2 degrees, recent paper. So there, there is a lot of hope that yeah, soon there can be some really biologically relevant experiment. But uh, I really have to say at the moment, there is no killer application yet that really the biology community would have realized, I think, about our experiments. Uh, I think they, they, they don't know about these, these nanodiamond experiments yet. What, what do you call it if you're going to put these inside of a cell? I mean, what, what do you call them just now? I mean, if I look up papers on it, will they just look for nano diamond biology applications or how would you search? 
So nanodiamonds, uh, certainly the, the defect is um, the nitrogen vacancy or envy center. So if you say envy center, probably everyone in physics today will um, yeah, recognize this term because in, in physics, it's quite the, the hot field and also yeah, there are a lot of research groups working on it. And the other thing is um, uh, where this quantum, some people call this quantum sensing. Yeah, I think it's everything is quantum at the moment in, in physics. So uh, quantum computing and uh, quantum internet of things, quantum cryptography. And what, what people don't really speak so much about is this quantum sensing where you use like a spin, a quantum system, and you see the, the change of this uh, transition. So this if you do spec spectroscopy, uh, you see some some lines. These these transitions, there are some lines at these given energies, and these lines shift when, for example, the, the temperature shifts. And this is called uh, quantum sensing. And I think these natural vacancy centers and nanodiamonds are really good examples where one could do, or one is already there to do some nice quantum sensing. So maybe these three well, terms. So, um, so you can see center. temperature temperature changes, and they're getting it down to. You know, a small range. What other changes? What else could we see inside of a cell? The other thing would be that, um, for example, you could look at uh, radicals or or pH. So, um, for example, with with my colleagues in Japan, published a paper about pH. So they so depending on the chemistry, there are different uh, chemical groups, functional groups outside the nano diamond. And so, for example, there are um, this COOH or carboxylic acid groups, and the relaxation, so that the decay time of your magnetic resonance is different if there, this H atom is on these acid groups or uh, due to pH change, it, it goes into the solution. So you can basically measure two pH ranges, so above a certain pH and below a certain pH. However, this, this was not yet in cells. This was um, an experiment or a proof of principle outside cells. And the other thing I think, also for biology would be relevant would be radicals because um, yeah, uh, even we hear daily about radicals, uh, what are radical quenchers or yeah, what, what, what's good food to kill your radicals. So um, radicals are also basically there is, there is a, 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 an electron spin on these radicals because there are unpaired electrons. Usually electrons are, are paired in, in chemical bonds, in covalent bonds, and that's what they want to do. But if they are alone, they are unpaired, and that, that means they are very reactive because they don't like the situation. They, they look for other um, molecules to, to get an electron, and then this molecule becomes a radical. And if this molecule is a DNA or so, then maybe this is a mutation of your, of your genes. So it can be very something risky, maybe leading to cancer. So if you could use these nanodiamonds to, to check if the number of radicals is constant or increasing or not. And this is something you could do because the, your envy centers has electron spins. These radicals are electron spins. So they should kind of uh, feel each other through their magnetic fields. And if you could use that as a sensor, and there are, I think at the, maybe not yet something published, but a colleague of mine, Romano Schierhagel in, uh, in the Netherlands uh, presented some results I think this could be something very interesting for also the, the biology well, how or the how medical many, community. How many would you want in each cell? I mean, you wouldn't just want one. I would think, you know, if I want to know the temperature inside of a cell, mm -hmm. it'd be more interesting to have an array of, you know, let's say a dozen of them at different points of the cell or a hundred of them. You know, same with the radicals. Yeah, uh, yeah. So the profile. Yeah, I, I agree. One that, that would be one approach. And the other approach would be you, you have one and this one is, is traveling 
uh, through the cell. And then like time resolved, you, you can see some, some changes. You look at some changes of, of the, the cell, like cell aging, and then you see how these properties are changing. Or if a whole bunch of cells have one each, then you can look at the variations amongst the population of cells. Yeah, yeah. Where, when they enter a cell, does anyone know where they go? Do they migrate out of the cell or do they go to a certain place? Yeah, yeah. There? So uh, with the, again, I think it depends on the, the way how they are um, incorporated into the cell. So if they go into these uh, vesicles, I think there is some mechanisms where they are, again, kicked out of the uh, cell with these uh, vesicles. Um, I think it's about the order of, I think, on a day or so. So they only they only last like a day in the cell, and then they're they come out in the vesicle. Uh, yes, if it's this way that they are they are entering the cell with the vesicle. If it's with the electroporation, sometimes they they really stick to some some uh, membrane of an organelle or some. Basically, they they stay there. What about if they're eaten? You gave an example of like a cancer cell eating. Yeah. You know, a nano diamond. What happens then? I'm not sure. Maybe they they keep them. Maybe they. Um, I don't know if they accumulate there's, them. There's different methods, and, and if your goal is to keep it inside a certain spot in the cell, yeah, I think for that the electroporation, the electroshock method is the best. Yeah. Oh, okay. So is this going to be tested first in bacteria or what kind of cells? Yeah, I think this this uh, human human cancer cells is what what we're uh, working with. But you can also, yeah, you can also take bacteria. Or so. What is more difficult is. Um, yeah, if there are some kind of plant cells, because then you have additionally a cell wall. So that's a bit more, more difficult to overcome. Yeah, in principle, there are also uh, is the possibility to, to take a mic micro pipette if you have really a large cell and uh, put them in the, into, pet, uh, into the cell with a pipette. So that's like um, artificial fertilization. So you could take the same tools. I can see in a, uh, in a dish you could do this, but in a person, how would you do this? You'd have to, I guess put the nano diamonds inside of a population of cells and then inject them into the person. Yeah, the, the problem is, yeah, the, I think putting in nano diamonds, maybe you, you would still find find a way, but our, uh, the, the, our detection method is really, we kind of have a microscope, a fluorescence microscope, which uh, collects the, the light, the, the red light, these this, uh, defects are emitting. And if you're really inside the body, this, this light will not go through your yeah you, you cannot look inside a body like like you can do it for for mri so this is really limited for single cells transparent small animals like these worms sea elegans or maybe fish but we we cannot uh, replace mri in that sense because yeah um, our skin will will block this light so first the laser doesn't go in and then the, the fluorescent doesn't come out oh, very tricky Tricky, but it yeah. would still be very useful for lab work, though. Yeah. So the the thing would be like like for this temperature. Uh, when I speak to some yeah some some biologists, so it seems like temperature is a, is a hot topic for biologists at the moment. Like, well, what's the temperature inside the cell? And there are different methods, and and the the results are sometimes really totally inconsistent. So no one knows what is correct. And what they really don't know is like the what is really the nanoscale or maybe sub-microscale temperature resolution? What, what's the difference like inside mitochondria or outside mitochondria? So this is something really they don't know because there is no, yeah, there is no nanoscale temperature sensor, which is, yeah, okay, good enough gotcha. to, 
So that, that could show, I mean, if you measure temperature um, uh, as, a, as a physicist or chemical physicist, uh, you can go towards thermodynamics. So you, you can go really to another level of understanding of, of a cell. This would be, if we could reach such a level, this would be certainly lead to, um, yeah, a lot of new right. um, understanding. Yeah. Well, very good. So Kuya, how long do you think this will be uh, commercialized and available for use? So commercialized, there there are uh, there are two companies uh, which are producing such nano diamonds. Uh, there is one in the U.S. There is one in Taiwan. So the, there is already some some market. However, if you only have the nano diamond, that, that doesn't help you because you s- still need a setup. And so this is a microscope. Basically, the, the microscope part you can you can buy. You can buy a you know, some, yeah like a Nikon microscope or so. But the other part, the, the microwave part, that at the same time you have to do a magnetic resonance experiment, this really, I think, is not yet commercialized. And I think if once there would be a killer application or this would be so successful that the, the biology community would acknowledge this and start using it, I think there would be really a need uh, for also uh, production of these setups. Because at the moment, people doing these experiments, they build their setups by, by their own. So you, you have to be an engineer or or some physicists and the people doing biology, really the experts on these cells, they, they will usually not do this. So I think if some success will come there, there will be some market, but yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see what, what the future brings. Well, very cool. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you very much for, for the nice uh, talk. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.